Hi everyone, Jason here. On May the 14th, Stephen and myself will be appearing with the one and only Mark Lewison at the Pavilion Theatre in Dunleary, Dublin. We're going to be celebrating 60 years of a hard day's night and we would love you to join us. For tickets, go to paviliontheatre.ie or nothingisrealpod.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to Nothing Is Real, a podcast about the Beatles. Everybody thinks they know the Beatles, but how much do we really know? My name is Jason Carty. My name is Stephen Cockcroft. And we're live on tape from Dublin and Belfast and Winston-Salem in the US of A, because once again we are joined by our roving North American correspondent and resident young person, William Hinson. Hello, William. Hello, fellas. <laughs> it's hello, good to have hello, you William. back. You may recall that William joined us back at the start of the year when he went off to see the Peter Jackson Live Q&A Beatles Get Back Rooftop Concert Cinema IMAX Experience. And you're back today because the headline news is you've just seen Paul McCartney on his North American Got Back tour. Yeah, Paul McCartney from Wings. That's right, the same guy. And he was also in another band as well. The Fireman. That's correct. And he did an evening of Fireman classics, is that right? (laughs) The whole show was just Fireman. I I would pay good money to see that. You you were getting some stick on Twitter when you you put up a message saying, uh, I've just been to see Paul McCartney from the Beatles. Yeah. (laughs) Hey, I have you guys guys to thank for... uh, for how wild that tweet has gone now. That got some numbers. It, got, it yeah. did, did, did some numbers. People were taking it very seriously. Like, who is this guy? He doesn't know Paul McCartney was in the Beatles. I, the reason I said Paul McCartney from the Beatles was because I was like, well, I, you guys can't conceptualize Winston-Salem, North Carolina, okay? We can all conceptualize the fact that it's Paul McCartney. Wow, we're going to see Paul. Whatever. But in Winston-Salem, North Carolina is mind-boggling to me and the fact that like you're literally watching a 79 year old paul mccartney from the beatles the guy in the beatles that was the purpose of the tweet and everybody was like yeah i thought he was in wings (laughs) well i I regularly call him paul from the beatles because it's just and we'll get into this but when you're in the gig you're like that's the guy that is the guy that goes all the way back to then Yeah. yeah yeah the guy the guy who wrote in spite of all the danger, <laughs> that's it. That must have been a hi- that must have been a highlight. Uh, been there, done that, seen that before. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, paint a picture for us because um, uh, Winston Salem. You know, I, when I when I go to the Wikipedia, uh, you know, geography of the place, it seems like a very first of all, it seems like a very nice place. It seems like a very um, you know uh, n- nice part of you know North Carolina. Seems like a 
very pleasant place to live. Is that? If, I don't mean that to sound as dull as it sounds. You are never getting a job <laughs> with not, the Winston Salem Tourist Board. I'm not exactly Michael Palin when it comes yeah. to travelogues. Yeah, this place is nice. It's so nice. It seems so nice. It's so nice. It's a pity. It's a pity the horse died, but it's so nice. <laughs> no, but it's 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 it strikes me, and maybe I'm totally wrong as one of these kind of maybe slightly liberal uh, kind of city enclaves in, in the US of A, would that be fair enough to say? And, you know, it seems to have a good art scene and a good It's certainly not the most liberal place in North Carolina. Um, it is historically known um, because of its ties to tobacco, the R.J. Reynolds yeah. tobacco, Winston cigarettes. Um, yep. Yeah. But Winston Salem would be mentioned on packets of camels, wouldn't it? Uh yes, yeah. Yeah, I can, I, <laughs> I can see, I can see where this is going, where this is going, and uh, uh, you know, even even the qualification, you know, it's pretty liberal for North Carolina. <laughs> you know, it's um. Well, I'll say this, I'll say this. It is, uh, if you've looked at the Wikipedia page, it is the 89th largest city in the country, uh, and people forget that we don't. I think collectively we don't talk about that nearly enough. Um, 89. It's, you know, just inside the hundred. It's great. Exactly. Well, it's like the thing about growing up here um, and growing up in North Carolina, it's like you have Charlotte, which is exploded in the last 10 years. It's always been huge. It's always been, you know, the, the Carolina Panthers football team, the Charlotte Hornets, you know, it's like, that's where like most of the pro sports teams are huge city and now it because of like the banking industry it's gigantic uh you know and uh then there's raleigh which is the capital which is also huge there's greensboro which is 30 minutes away from here and that is slightly bigger than winston so those three are really like talked about a lot but then winston is also a city it is also a city Mm. You know what I mean? So it's like, <laughs> yeah, no, it's... like I, I've seen Elton John here. Elton John used to play at the Coliseum here every time he well, come to now, North Carolina. You've hit Stephen's sweet spot. Elton John plays everywhere. You know, Elton, uh, Elton John Bob Dylan used to play at the same Coliseum. Could I just that? say Bob Dylan played in Dundonald Ice Bowl, which holds about 4,000 <laughs> people. But, uh, uh, you know, uh, would, I, would I be right in saying that Winston-Salem is the second largest, largest uh, municipality in the Piedmont Triad region? The Piedmont Triad. <laughs> you're so so close. But yeah, yeah, you're right. That yeah. is exactly right. Let's see. It's, a, it's got a population of about 249,000 in the city. It's the <laughs> fifth biggest in North Carolina. And as you say, 89th in the US of A. So I, I'm guessing I'm, uh, Irish equivalent city, uh, Galway maybe? Is Galway about a quarter of a million? I don't know. I've never been west of Wicklow, as you know. <laughs> <laughs> I know. The, yes, Ireland is just Dublin and back. Yeah. Raleigh is uh, David Sedaris uh, comes from Raleigh, North Carolina. And so does Amy Sedaris. They all, the Sedaris people all come from Raleigh. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but I guess the point you're making is that, you know, Paul McCartney you know, is on a 13-day tour, I think. About 13 yeah. days. I think it's 12, isn't it? America. Yeah, and, and one in Canada. And one in Canada, there's, yeah. And, 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 you know, you, I, I totally understand the excitement or the amazement or the magic that one of the cities pulled. He's not in the top 12 city. He's come to the 89th. <laughs> 89th. Really... Well, I was going to say, I was going to say, there, there's there's two things that are are, for me personally... 
uh, just absolutely mind-boggling about it, uh, other than this simple fact that it's in Winston. One is he played Fort Worth on Tuesday of last week, Wednesday maybe, um, and then before that he played two shows at SoFi Stadium in a row, uh, and <laughs> that's where they held the Super Bowl this year. You know, yeah. it's like he so he goes all the way across the country to come to Winston. That's number one. Number two is um, my my dad is a, a physicist over at the hospital. Um, and so but he went to Wake Forest University, which is in Winston-Salem um, and his whole family did. And, you know, blah, blah, blah. So I grew up going to the Wake football and basketball games, uh, you know, my whole life. Every Saturday in the fall, we'd go to the Wake football games and that's where this concert was being held. So whenever it was rumored that Paul was going to go back on tour, I was like, well, I'm super poor. I can't, like I saw him in 2019, you know, did the whole shebang, here we go. Bingo, bango, bongo. Not to say I'm good to go, you know, because of course it's Paul, you know, it's, it's, it's literally, it's literally Paul, you know. Um, literally Paul from the Beatles. From the Beatles. Yeah, from the Beatles, yeah. Uh, but I, um, I then whenever it was rumored that he was coming to Winston, um, this particular venue, which I was going to get into in a little bit anyways, they have started doing the 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 school and the uh, the city has started doing bigger concerts at the football field. Um, four years ago, they did Billy Joel, Stephen's favorite piano player. Oh, well, never mind. Um <laughs> And uh, I believe Jason's favorite Russian-related uh, live album is that right? Oh yes. Uh, if, uh, well, speaks to a <laughs> speaks to a kinder time, uh, you know that the uh, yeah. of the East certainly all of that. Yes, certainly. Um, <laughs> but they had Billy Joel. I was supposed to go to that show, and then I went to Toronto, Canada instead. It's neither here nor there. No, con- um, no, no contest. Obviously, if I if I had the option, I would. Uh... Right, um, and then they also did either the year before that or the year after they did Guns and Roses on the reunion tour, um, which is not, you know, legendary, legendary, whatever. I guess neither is Billy Joel, but don't quote me on that. We got to cut that part out. Um, <laughs> just lost all the Billy Joel fans. Um, no, but. Uh, it's going to be, you know, it's going to be the number one tour spot for Garfunkel and Messina. That's the. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but anyway, so so that being said, uh, I use those as references of like they have brought in the last few years they've started. They do basically one huge concert a year. Um, okay. So this is the big concert this year, I suppose. You know. I have a question. Sure. Did Paul McCartney book his gig in Winston-Salem before or after your appearance on the Nothing Is Real podcast? You've you've got to think. It was certainly announced after I was on the Nothing Is Real podcast. So yeah, you're welcome. I mean, they <laughs> listen. You've you've gotten gotten me some numbers on my tweet. You have gotten me Paul McCartney and Winston Salem. We, we, we we've pulled some strings, William. The nothing is real effect. I would mm. I would just like to point out we've only ever had one recurring guest on the podcast, <laughs> and it is you. Yes, 
You're the first returning guest. Um, yeah, did yeah, uh, well, I mean, since since uh, <laughs> Curtis Steiger's cancelled. Since, <laughs> since Curtis Steiger's won't return, it won't take our calls. Curtis Steiger's, you know, he'll 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 be back. He doesn't he doesn't um, ring. He doesn't write. I am I am looking at a list of the tour dates for the Got Back tour. So. It started in April the 28th in Spokane, Washington. Spokane. 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 Okay. Uh, we've lost all the Washington listeners. And then uh, two dates in Seattle, Washington. Uh, so should I pretend not to be able to pronounce anything? Seattle. Seattle. How do you pronounce that? Seattle. Seattle. <laughs> and then Oakland, California. Uh, Los Angeles, California. Fort Worth, Winston-Salem. Uh, May 21st, um, Saturday last. And uh, at the time of speaking, he is due to play Hollywood, Florida, the 25th, Orlando, Florida, uh, on the 28th, Knoxville, Tennessee, Syracuse, New York, Boston, Massachusetts, Baltimore, Maryland, and East Rutherford, New Jersey. He finishes the tour on the 16th of June before doing one more date at Glastonbury. Hooray. Yep. So right in the middle of the tour is, is, well, is Winston-Salem. I would like to also, I think, if we're going to get into it now, fellas, uh, I'd like to point out, and this is something I think Stephen potentially said maybe on the episode zero of this season, um, of he is yes. he <laughs> the is, one where we set up our stall and painted ourselves into a corner. Anyway, go on. From Brian to Clint. Um, but we um, don't See, do it. Got. Just don't do it, William. Just don't encourage. <laughs> it, why? I've been turn just into so. A song, William. That'd not to go into a tangent here, but why not Epstein to Klein? I don't. But I know it's Epstein, but. And Mark Lewison says yeah. in tune in, in tune in right there, right there. Yeah, um, I, I but, like that. Again, I can see you've staged the room. That's very good. Uh, yeah, why, <laughs> why not? Why not? Because because it wasn't my idea. Because I didn't come up with it. Why is it Brian to Klein? It's because it's Jason came up with this. Listen. And yet we still seem to be talking about it many weeks later. So. I feel fine. Um <laughs> about Brian um, but no uh, I think Stephen said this um, on that episode he's playing a lot of places that he hasn't necessarily played before or maybe played a lot this was his first ever gig as far as I know I'm, I'm almost positive about this this is the first ever gig uh, with any band or anything in Winston uh, hmm. ever so that's one thing. Um, certainly, like Knoxville, why would he play in Knoxville? Same reason. Yeah. Um, I think he, I don't know, I could probably fact check it right now, but I'm pretty sure he's playing at the Tennessee Volunteer Stadium. And yet, this is a man that's never played Northern Ireland. He's prepared to go to Winston-Salem, but he's not prepared to go to Belfast. This is... Uh... <laughs> well, he's the, 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 he, he didn't play Ireland until... Uh, when was that? Two thousand and three was the first proper Irish date. So, well, here, here's the thing: because over on that hotbed of male angst, the Steve Hoffman music forums, uh, they were <laughs> discussing the uh, you know the tour dates, and people were kind of saying, "Well, it's only you know thirteen dates. Why would he play such and such a market, and why would he do this here?" And I think it makes perfect sense as to why he does the things he does. He 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 basically can fill out anywhere. And there are, uh, you know, secondary markets of towns with hundreds of thousands of people in them where he can rock in, fill up a stadium, and it'll be the highlight of the summer, and he'll have a rock and great crowd and a great time. And it'll be the highlight of a lot of those people's lives, too. Yeah, yeah. 
you know? So I, I think it makes perfect sense. The way he travels is, you know, he jets in on his private plane uh, from his base. Uh, so it's not like he's on a tour bus and the tour bus has to get from, where was he before? From Fort, Fort Worth. Worth on the 27th, on the 17th to get to uh, Winston-Salem on the 21st. Yeah. He's just, you know, the the the... the the specifics of where he is in terms of the logistics of how he tours doesn't really matter. So he just wants to go to a place with tens of thousands of people who are delighted. And I can't imagine anybody wasn't delighted uh, last weekend in Winston-Salem. I Well, I was also going to say an, a, another thing, and we'll get more into this as we, as we go along. But in terms of the set, um, I feel like he's playing this tour as sort of a this is my own personal speculation i think that he's playing this tour as a precursor to the next tour so if he can because like if you look at like north carolina if you can i've driven to raleigh to see him so that's about two hours from winston right i would drive to charlotte to see him i think he played in charlotte that same run um but those are like the typical places that he would play. He played Greensboro in 2016 or 2015 um, and for the first time ever. And uh, But anyways, I feel like if he plays in Winston, not that he needs to recruit more people to drive to Raleigh or drive to Charlotte or anything, but in terms of the set list, I feel like it, it may be a precursor to, to an, a bigger tour a wider tour maybe next year or the year after or something like that. Hmm. Paul McCartney over the world. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Sorry, I'm, I'm, still, I'm still trying to come to terms with the fact that Jason used the phrase rock and good time. <laughs> rock and good time. Well, he, I used to live in a, in a part of Ireland called Kerry uh, in a town called Killarney. I don't know how familiar you are, but for, for listeners out there, uh, it's right down in the southwest of the country. It is a beautiful, beautiful part of the world, but it's a little bit off the beaten track in terms of world tours. So when a gig would come to town, it would be very, very, very exciting. You know, the, 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 the week Billy Ocean came to play a gig, there was nothing else to talk about except Billy Ocean was coming to town. <laughs> and Billy Ocean did a fantastic show in the INEC in Killarney. And, uh, you know, every couple of months, they'd be like, They'd be like, the one thing would be happening and you'd be very, very excited. Just before I moved, Duran Duran were coming to town for a gig. That was the biggest thing that ever happened in Killarney. Yeah, but they're big now. They wouldn't play Killarney now. They probably know. They're back, they're, they're back and popular back, now. Back, but back. I, I, what I kind of noticed from the, 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 the news coverage online, your local news coverage, mm-hmm. William, was, you know, this is the big news event of the weekend. You know, he could rock into Madison Square Garden and it wouldn't make the papers, but you go to Winston-Salem and it's it's the story. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and it was, uh, it was unfortunately uh, partially negative. Uh, well, this is the traffic story. So yeah. t- maybe just tell us about the day. Take us through the day. What, um, uh, what was your own experience? Well, I woke up. Um, <laughs> fell out of bed, dragged a comb <laughs> across your head. Um, no, I was, uh, yeah, I was, I was, I had a really, really busy day. Um, I played a festival in Raleigh, so I drove to Raleigh oh, um, cool. in the morning, um, played, and then came back. And then my girlfriend and I uh, hosted a um, a pre Paul performance. <laughs> it was supposed to be pre Paul performance potluck party. 
Um, but we crossed out the potluck uh, and just she cooked a bunch of food. So, um, okay. so there was no pot, is what you're saying? No, just dynamite weed. Um, but we, um, uh, 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 does everyone have their nothing is real bingo cards out? Um, uh, <laughs> yep, that's one. Take a shot. Um, Throwing throw a Donovan somewhere. Yeah, um, but no, we. Um, so we had. We had a little get together of, of everyone that, that went uh, with us. Uh, my parents, her parents, uh, some of her parents' friends, um, my best friend Blaine uh, and manager Blaine uh, and his girlfriend Rebecca, and um, and then my audio professor uh, from college Jude, who is like my mentor and now my best friend and the other biggest Beatles fan I know. Um, and he is he act- named after what I think he's named or. N- no, yeah. but whenever he was, uh, he was—I mean, he was born before. Uh, oh, he's gonna be so pleased. He was listening to—he uh, <laughs> was listening to some "Nothing Is Real" on his way, uh, on his drive back uh, this morning. He texted me about it. Well, um, we did five episodes about him, so he should go. Yeah, yeah. That wasn't yeah. about the song. Yeah, um, but he—he um, he actually he so he was born obviously before before the tune um but when he was a kid he thought that it was about him and um but he moved to he moved to england um in uh, the late 80s and actually worked on the flowers in the dirt tour oh so um and he has met mr mccartney um one degree of separation paul like you wouldn't believe um but anyways so yeah so jude uh came down uh for it as well and um which that was just a really magical experience for me uh, all the year i said in the car on the way over i said jude how how many years have we been talking about paul and talking about you know doing what we're about to do right now and uh you know so it was it was really cool it was really really great but uh so we had this little shindig beforehand um and then uh my buddy blaine left to go um, they had, uh, the way that the gig was designed, they had the entire field, you know, carved out and, a uh, bunch of seats on the floor. And then obviously all of the stands, well, the stadium also has what's called the hill, uh, on one end under the video board. Um, and, uh, you know, that for football games and stuff, that's for families to have small children run around and everything. Um, and so you just bring a blanket and, you know have yourself a time. Uh, and, um, so my buddy Blaine, uh, and his girlfriend were, were sitting on the hill. So they left to get a better sort of seat. They left a bit earlier and he texted me and said that, you know, traffic was unbelievable. This was at five o'clock. I think the doors opened at six. Um, and, um, but like I said, I grew up going every Saturday to this stadium. So, you know, you know all the back roads, you know all the... I actually, my first job uh, ever was delivering flowers uh, in Winston. So I know all the little back roads and everything. So uh, so we hop in the car and we're we're going over there and um, we, uh, there's a, a parking lot across the street that we used to park every Saturday and, you know, it was like 20 bucks to get in or whatever, which is too much to park a car, but hey... Say lovey. Um, but uh but yeah, so I took sort of the back way to get in and we basically avoided most of the traffic. There was one lane of traffic that went back probably four or five miles. Uh 
And then when we pulled up and, and got a parking spot, there was a line to get in one of the entrances. There are four, there are at least four or five entrances to the stadium. And this one entrance had a line wrapped all the way around. I mean, like three blocks around. I don't, I mean, just people, just people. And there's like a whole parking lot there. And um, so I, I, my thing was, well, why are we going to wait in that line? Like, let's just walk across the parking lot that's right next to this big line. And then, you know, there's like bathrooms and stuff up there. So, so we, we did. And then we just sort of casually merged in the line. I mean, we just had no problem getting in and out. And all of these people complained and called the news and were complaining. And I've seen so many things on Reddit and on Twitter and everything of everybody complaining. I was like, we didn't have any of those problems. Oh, sorry. I thought, well, I, that's I, thought I, saw, I saw your local news doing all of that stuff as well. Yeah. And there'd been some bad weather as well. Is that right? Yeah, it was, supposed to, it was supposed to storm. And then it started just monsooning, really, like two or three hours before. But it was it was barely drizzling when we got there, and then it totally cleared up. And all these people phoned the local news to complain about you cutting into the line. That was yes, <laughs> absolutely. And there, uh, if you guys start getting hate mail, um, understand. Yeah. Start getting it. Uh, <laughs> um, so, so look, you 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 sound like a savvy. Uh, is is it Winston Salemite? Is that the phrase? What's um, the phrase for? I I prefer Winstonian, but Winstonian. Okay, that uh, that could be uh, inaccurate. <laughs> yeah. So, as a savvy uh, Winstonian, you knew how to get into the place. So this was this was all seating then at pitch level. There wasn't general admission standing, which you kind of probably be what the European kind of gigs would, would follow a standing, uh, like I'm thinking of when we saw the Stones in Crow Park, yeah. Stephen, and that kind of stuff. Um, so it's all seated in the, in the uh, pitch area. Yeah, except for the, except for the hill. Uh, that's, yeah. That was general admission. Um, okay. And I can't remember what Blaine paid for those tickets, but um, the stands, I mean, I got in the pre-sale, the American Express pre-sale, please sponsor, nothing is real. Um, but... Uh, I got in like the minute that the tickets went on sale for that pre-sale in February when I was on tour. Um, and, you know, and they were, those seats were pretty, pretty high up. Well, uh, let's, let's, let's cut to the chase. How much did you pay for a ticket? Uh, they were, they were $180 a piece. Because there's a, been a big kind of kickback you know, on Facebook and on social media and some guy writing an open letter to Paul McCartney, you know, your fans cannot afford to pay $400. You know, I wanted to go and take my 18 children and it was going to take, cost me $5,000. And it's, you know, they were just complaining about, you know, you're rich enough to do these for free. It, it turned into a, like a complete pile on. You know? Well, everything does. I mean, everything has to, you know. <laughs> yeah. It's 2022. Well, yeah, of course, there has to be a pylon, but... Yeah. Ticket prices are, I think, noticeably higher in the States than... They they absolutely are. And, and you know, ha more than half of that is because... Like, like Jude got his ticket um, and the face value was 99 and he said that he paid an additional... Like almost the price of the ticket. I think he paid an extra like eighty dollars in Ticketmaster fees. Yeah, and then he paid an extra five dollars to get a paper ticket, which is going to pay off later in the story. But I'll, yeah, I'll get there. Okay. Yeah. Um. So where whereabouts were you then with your your 
American Express ticket? Where did that leave you in the venue? Funny you should ask. So, <laughs> oh good. So I'm I'm I play this festival in the morning, and uh, so so uh, well I should back up. First of all, the ticket that we got we got eight tickets together. So it was myself, my girlfriend Abigail, uh, my parents, her parents, and then two of her parents' friends, and so we all got on the same row and everything, and uh, and it was all very cool, very cool. Well, I was on the way back from the festival, and I, I get a call from one of my high school English teachers, Teresa Bryant, and who I love. Shout out, Teresa. But um, she calls me and she says, hey, um, I know you're a big fan. Uh, any chance that you're going to the Paul McCartney show tonight? And I said, yes, of course. Of course I'm going to the Paul McCartney show in Winston. And uh, and she says, okay, well, my friend works for or is somehow a part of uh, this, I think it was called the Institution for the Blind or something like that, and said um, they, they were given, th- this institution was given 20 free tickets from Paul himself. Ooh. And... Uh, I have a friend who is has two of these tickets, but has an extra one. And do you know anyone who would like this extra ticket? And at first I was like, well, you know, I've already got my tickets and, you know, blah, 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 whatever. And then I thought about it and I was like, well, where are they? <laughs> and she said, benefit? She, <laughs> she said, um, it's on the floor which I was like sold already. I'll take it. But then she said, this is a, it's a thousand dollar ticket. And I said, I'll take it. And then I, and so I I thought about it and I said, you know, I'm going to, surely we can find somebody to take my ticket. And if it's the way that I think that it is, I can take my, I can take this extra ticket. I can go down, I can check out where it is, you know, during if he plays women and wives i can go back up into the stands i can miss that song you know and i can hand the ticket to you know a family member or something and you yep. know we can uh, all uh, swap around or whatever um and so i i said yeah i'll take it and um so so we walk in to the venue and uh and i i was asking my you know, my family, I said, hey, I'm, I'm going to go down there. I'm going to check it out. <laughs> my girlfriend's mom was trying to get me to scalp the ticket. Uh, she's like, well, you know, if it's worth $1,000, she could just, you know, sell it. And, then, and I was like, yeah, but what if it's a really good seat? <laughs> you know, ticket scalping, we can't, that, the, the, that's, you know. We don't condone that kind of thing. That's Ticketmaster's That job. kind of sh- yeah. shenanigans, you know. Yeah, like, exactly. Exactly. That's what I said. So... So anyway, so I, I kept the ticket. So uh, I brought my, uh, I, I gave uh, the extra ticket that we had to um, my buddy Zach, who plays drums in my band. Um, and uh, so he came with us. And um, so I was talking to my family. I said, you know, I'm, I'm sad that I won't, you know, be with you guys whenever he comes out. But I saw, <laughs> I saw McCartney, you know, three years ago with my parents and my sister and my girlfriend. So, 
you know, my parents and I have already had that sort of experience together. Is <laughs> so my justification. Like, now it's t- now it's William. So long, yeah. so long, yeah. suckers, right. suckers. See ya, See ya losers. See We're ya. Um, so yeah, yeah. we've got the measure of you. But I, I, I have to say, I, I have to give a shout out to my girlfriend Abigail. I said, <laughs> Abigail, are you gonna be mad if I, you know, go down and you know sit basically sit by myself and see what this is what this is like. And she said, I will be mad if you don't. Ah, that reminds me of a story when I, um, so, uh, many years ago, well, back in the, the noughties, uh, I was living in London and I went with my wife to see Roger Waters in the O2 arena, which is an indoor kind of 18,000 seater arena. And my wife was about seven months pregnant at the time with our first child. And Roger Waters came out and he kicked into uh, In the Flesh, you know, the opener from The Wall, which is a very bombastic, loud thing. And fireworks went off. And uh, when it was so loud that the baby just started going nuts inside my wife and just kicking and, you know, just moving around, couldn't handle the noise at all. And uh, my wife kind of turned to me and said, um, you know, I think I, I'm going to go sit outside and uh, I said, okay, I'll see you in two, two and a half hours. And she was like, no, 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 well, you're going to come and sit with me and we're just going to listen to the gig from outside. And I was like, don't, uh, I don't think that's going to happen. And my poor wife ended up going outside and kind of sitting in one of the bars in this venue where kind of hearing the, the gig from, from, from afar while I just sort of enjoyed Roger Waters. It was very good. He had like, he did Dark Side of the Moon from start to finish. And yeah. <laughs> but I, I guess needs must is what we're trying to it say. It has here. a happy ending. You, you, she still lets you see the kid on weekends. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, now, now, now that child is, 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 is a teenager and is, is dra- dragging me to gigs uh, uh, herself, which is all very pleasant. Driving you to distraction. If anyone wants to give me some Harry Styles tickets, because they're impossible to get. Anyway, let's get back to the show. So, um, so we were at the point where you'd literally uh, stiffed your family and told them to jog on, and you'd gone to the best seat in the house. Is that where we were? Absolutely. So uh, we go to the field <laughs> of access, uh, and Jude had gotten a ticket somewhere else uh, in the thing. So, um, I, you know, I, I was going down to the field access, and uh, and Jude said, "Well, I'll just walk with you." down there and if they you know turn me away then i'll just go to my seat whatever um and at this point too it's about eight o'clock i knew based on setlist fm that the tour average was he'd start at 8 30 ish and with the miles of traffic i figured probably not even 8 30 so you know we're just meandering around really and um so we we go down there and i said cool yeah you just you know come with me so we get there and they gave you um, these wristbands, which I have mine, um, give you these wristbands. So I, I go and you show your ticket and then they give you a field access wristband. And um, so I very uh, confidently said uh, to the woman uh, handing out the wristbands, I said, oh, he's with me. And she said, oh, okay. And then I, she said, well, I need to see your ticket. So I showed her my ticket. And she said, I need to see his ticket. So he pulls out his ticket from his wallet and just shows it to her. And she says, okay, here you go. And gives him a wristband. So now he's just on the field. There's so much law breaking in this episode. There is, I got to say, a lot of the stuff, I know that this probably does not bode well uh, for me. Um, But I have to say, these kinds of things, uh, it felt, um, I don't know, I don't want to, I don't want to go to that place, but it it, uh, 
it felt almost like celestial in a way. You know, all the stars just kept aligning. You know, like mystical. It was your time. It felt it felt illicit and dangerous. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Um, We might have to just start this entire episode from uh, over. And you know, I I went and I sat in my regular seat, and I I know how you feel. I went to see the Stones, and I was spirited away and into the pit at the front of the stage and you kind of think yeah everything is just perfect and what made it even even better is that jason was two or three hundred yards behind me (laughs) and and what made it made it even better than that was our friend was with his parents-in-law in in the highest seat in the farthest (laughs) part of the stand and he said he might as well have been on the moon and that it all just everything aligned perfectly I just yeah, I, I I arrived at that Stones gig. It was a beautiful day, about four in the afternoon, thinking I'd get a great position, not realizing that I hadn't a hope in hell of getting anywhere close without fraudulently putting on a wristband. I just um, I it was still an amazing gig. It it was just one of those things, you know. And, and I think, you know, this is where, uh, you know, people say, oh well, you know, I f- I felt like the main character because you know Jude Jude and I like he was my first. The first confidant. I mean, now I have you guys, obviously, uh, but and I have my my buddy, have uncles. my buddy uh, Josh Earls. Uh, shout out Josh again. Um, uh, that are you know huge Beatles fans. That I can discuss, but Jude was like my first sort of window into this ultimate Beatles fandom, like to to really truly share in in the Beatles and then in, in Paul and everything. And so it was just like it was mind boggling that she just gave him a wristband. And so there we are, just walking around like. You know, it's so just he, meant so, to be. So you're walking around. He's he's holding your elbow. You've got dark glasses and a cane. <laughs> <laughs> I got these tickets from the charity for the blind. Oh, uh, so so we're we're walking around, and and I I asked one of the ushers, um, you know, where is section H? They had a little, they, they, not little. They had huge signs uh, above each section, um, and uh, I asked an usher, and he says, oh yeah, it's right here, right in front of the sound booth, right at the mix position. I felt myself leaving my body and transcending to the next place. Because <laughs> um, when I saw him three years ago, I was I was on the moon, you know? We were up in the highest of the highest of the stands in the corner. So, you know, the line arrays are not pointed at us at all. And I mean, it was really just seeing him, it was my first time seeing him. And, um, you know, so just, the incredible aspect of just that's Paul McCartney from the Beatles right there. That's my hero. Um, right there was, you know, for the first time is, is, you know, fine, you know, um, to be sat up so, so high up, but, um, but for this, you know, and in my hometown, no less. And for this to be gifted to me at the last minute, it was just like remarkable. Um, so we, we show up, (laughs) Go on. Can I ask you a dull question, by the way? Just, just to interrupt. You are a musician and uh, a yeah. man of sound. Do you wear ear protection at gigs? Um, yeah, typically. Uh, I okay. usually try. And, and and Jude actually had. Um, he had a uh, an accident in the studio at school um, several years ago, and he has a a really particularly bad case of tinnitus. Um, mm. And, uh, and so he wears earplugs more often than not just around, you know? Yeah. Um, oh, right. okay. and so, and he is really, because of his accident, he's really, um, 
I used to be very, you know, oh, whatever, you know, it's just people telling me, you know, I listen to music too loud or whatever. Um, but he, he really uh, um, helped to teach me about, you know, hearing protection and stuff like that. And so um, at the very least, I'll put some paper towel or something uh, if it gets yeah, real I, bad. I, I know it's a dull thing to say, but as someone who's, you know, approaching the end of my life now, you really need to mind your ears. I wish I had thought about this 30 odd years ago yeah. when I was thought it was an absolute hoot to have my 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 eardrums thoroughly rattled after yeah. some kind of live session. So um, just when you're sitting in front of the sound desk, well, um, you know, they're obviously minding their ears, but it's a it's a great position to be in sound. It is it is the it is the absolute best position to be in sound wise. And that's why. And, and I'll tell you, I'll answer your question. I did not have to wear hearing protection right, um, right. because of where I was seated. And really, I think, you know, it could be local ordinances, noise ordinances, or it could be uh, generalized, um, you know, a different type of, of audience, obviously, <laughs> uh, to see a 79-year-old play music. Um, but no, it was, it never felt too loud. And even during, okay. and Jude Jude always talks about live and let die and how concerned he is for Paul's hearing because of the pyrotechnics and the explosions and everything. And when I saw it three years ago, it was terrible, fellas. It was it was awful. It <laughs> it was like there was, uh, you know, thunder and and or a, a cannon, you know, just cannons going off. Yep. And when you're inside, a very reflective space, and especially an arena. But um, yeah. two rows in front of the sound sound booth. It was fantastic. Oh, <laughs> it was fantastic. And then, um, so Jude was sat with me. There were a bunch of open seats on that row, and uh, he was sat with me. And then Paul comes out. Uh, the first seven songs, Jude got to to stand there with me, and it was just that was amazing. You know, it was like, well, here we are. We've just, here we are on the floor, right here, right in front of him. <laughs> you know, watching Paul McCartney, and um, and then. Uh, you know, some more people started to show up and everything. And so Jude, I look, I look to my left and Jude is just noped out. He see ya, pal. See ya. And so, uh, and he, I think he just sort of meandered around for a bit. Um, and then we got, we met up, there were some open seats, just, I don't know, <laughs> 10 seats over to the right, just across the aisle. Um, at, uh, the very end of the show, like during Hey Jude. And so, um, but it was the same row, so I, I joined him there for that and for the encore. So, so spoiler alert: he played Hey Jude. Yeah, I didn't. <laughs> I didn't want to go there, but again, the nothing is real effect. Yeah, you know, I don't know has he played it before we yeah. do our episodes on it, Stephen. I think that's um, well. Let's let's talk about the set list because you know it was. Um, totally off the charts, unexpected. I have to admit, as somebody watching this tour from afar, um, you know, there's the usual kind of chatter of, oh, you know, what's he going to do on this tour? Is he going to throw in, you know, something new or different? Or, uh, you know, how's it going to change? And, um, you know, my expectation was that very little would change from the the, the tour he was doing, the um, Freshen Up tour was the, the name of the last tour. Um, but, I, I'm actually kind of shocked at how the set list is really essentially the same as it was pre-COVID three years ago when he was touring. There's very little, um, there's very little change there. Sure, there isn't, Stephen. It's the it's the same stuff, really. Not that I'm complaining, See but much. you are sort of complaining. Well, <laughs> no, I'm not complaining because 
I know, particularly from reading, as I said, the reviews in your local press, William, is that, you know, everyone was just blown away, you know, and that's the whole point of the Paul McCartney set list, is it's not for big old nerds and fans like us, it's for... It's for the crowd. It goes it's back. It goes back to his GQ interview in 2018. It just okay. it, everything goes back to him saying, "Oh well, you know, we'll just put this in here. We'll just pull out this, you know." But, but, <laughs> Paul, but you <laughs> oh well, but you know, <laughs> we've, 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 we've still got to do "Hey Jude." You know, I can't leave that out. Um, but no, I mean that's <laughs> like uh, that's. I saw Bob Dylan on April 1st, and Bob Dylan does not care. (laughs) He doesn't care. And I knew that going in and I actually had to explain that to my family of we're not going to be entertained. We're going to see (laughs) an 80 year old. You're going to be challenged and quite possibly threatened (laughs) by by what he's about to do. (laughs) Which is fine. And that's... But there comes a point in your life when it is entertaining. I've been to enough Dylan shows now that when he comes out and does that thing, I am entertained no matter what, but the first few times it's very hard. What I would, I, I, I've seen Dylan, you know, a dozen or more times since 1984, and I've some, seen some great Dylan gigs, and I've seen some absolutely terrible Bob Dylan gigs, but it was never less than fascinating. You know, even yeah. in 1989 when he was, he had a, like a hooded jacket on and he had the hood up and he never took the hood down the whole thing. And he just took every song at the same pace and every every song was the same monotone. But it was just thrilling. Well, that, that was, I've told you this, Stephen, that was my first Dylan gig, 1989. I was, a, I was, I was so young. My mum brought me, and uh, I thought well, I would never see a Dylan gig ever again. Was that the RDS gig? It was the RDS in Dublin. And he came out, as you say, he had he had G.E. Smith from the Saturday Night Live band at the time there, which I was quite interested in because SNL was kind of being starting to be shown. And uh, it was just a wall of noise. I recognised nothing. It was just basically the, the, the Bob Dylan nose and curly hair sticking out of the, the top of a sweatsuit hood. You couldn't even tell it was him. Couldn't recognise a song. And when it was over, I had no idea what I had experienced or seen or any of those things. But I went to see him in 1989 because I thought I will never see him again. He's he's 46 or whatever. <laughs> he's, he's done. He, he's going to retire soon. And I, this was obviously the start of the never-ending tour. But obviously I went back for more repeatedly. But it was a crazy, one of, crazy one of the first, what He sang Subterranean Homesick Blues. <laughs> Did he? I don't know. <laughs> News to me. And it is, it is funny because McCartney has said, oh, I wish I could be more like uh, Bob Dylan. And, and you no, know, he doesn't. Paul doesn't want to be like Bob Dylan. Uh, you know, ev- everything is scripted. And, and he's, you know, it's it's when he was dyeing his hair and wearing the Shea Stadium jacket. It was kind of when you were sitting on the moon at the back of that stadium. If you kind of squinted a little bit, you could imagine that was Shea Stadium. You know, that that's that's what he's delivering. He's, he's delivering that experience. Dylan doesn't care. I know. Dylan doesn't care. I think, well, it, it just goes back to, you know, I mean, you think about 66 and Candlestick Park and the the end of them touring, the, the guy who wanted to get up on the rooftop, the guy who wanted to do a live show, the guy who wanted to get back to touring, the guy who took wings on a college tour, long college tour in, uh, uh, you know, <laughs> qu- quotations yeah. uh, there, but... Um, <laughs> You know, uh, that's that's the guy that is in question here. He he loves to perform and he loves to because I think he's still and this is this 
gets into to to more of the show, but he just loves entertaining people. Yeah. That and 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 Dylan, I think, I I don't know, and not to not to compare the two of them, but it just he doesn't care because it's not about the the frills or anything like that. It's the it's just the words, I mean, I, you know. That's that's why you go to see Dylan is for the words. I I do think Dylan takes it seriously. I don't think yeah, Dylan yeah. is particularly out to piss anybody off or to deliver a bad show. That's not the case. I think Dylan is very much about the moment and to make it different from yeah. the night before and the night that follows and to you know, I I honestly think he's trying to get to uh some kind of truest version of the song in that moment and that's what's very fascinating about a, a Dylan game. Well, I, I remember going to see Dylan in the early 90s in Dublin and he played two nights and I only went to the first night and a friend of mine from work went the second night and we were kind of having, you know, the water cooler moment the next day. And uh, he said, oh, it was great. He did uh, Mr. Tambourine Man. And I said, oh, he didn't play that. He played just like a woman. Oh, he didn't play. And we worked, he played 21 songs each night and there were 17. Uh, there were only four songs were the same. Uh, wow. You know, the, wow. the opening song and the last three songs were the same. And the 17 songs in between were different. And you think there's no one else could do that. Paul could do that if he wanted to do that. Yeah. You know, he has a big enough, uh, you know, back catalogue across the solo wings, Beatles. You know, he could do that if he wanted to do that, but he doesn't He doesn't want to do that. Yeah. Well, I think it's because, and I'm not saying that, that Dylan doesn't care about the fans. I don't think that. I don't think that he doesn't care. I but I feel like Paul I think Paul has a a, a really deep understanding of his significance to people. Mm. Whereas Dylan doesn't yeah. care about his significance to people. You know what I mean? But do you think Yes, you, I think Dylan's about the performance. It's not necessarily about the audience. Right, like and like Dylan the we've said before. The the yeah. the documentary from from uh London in 66 uh uh don't look back. Don't, yeah, don't look back uh, where he says, you know, why do you need my autograph, man? You don't need my autograph or I give it to you. You know, it's like that, that, why, you know, whereas yeah, but that Paul. Was, that, was, that was before eBay. I mean, so. <laughs> That's fair. I just, I just mean, I feel like Paul, he recognizes, and, and, and speaking like, you know, Jude's experience of meeting him, you know, Jude said, uh, he doesn't, when you meet Paul, he doesn't want to talk about himself. He he always reflects it back on on you as the person. What's your story? What because and I I can understand. I mean, you, you know, I feel like anyone can probably understand why that is when you're the most written about person alive. You know, I mean, he knows everything about yeah. himself and his life. You know, like uh, he 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 just wants to meet the average person. That's. Uh... That's, a song that's one way yeah. to look at it, Stephen. But do you think, I mean, one of the things, you know, when you go and see somebody like the Stones, the Stones have 20 songs that they have to play. You know, if you went to see the Stones and they didn't play Tumbling Dice or Honky Tonk Woman or whatever it is, you know, obviously they're not doing Brown Sugar now, but, you know, they have, they have 20 songs they have to play. Yeah. Whereas Paul doesn't quite do that. You know, so he's, I'm just looking at the set list. So he's playing... My Valentine, he's playing Come On To Me, uh, you know, and you think mm-hmm. he, he doesn't have to play those songs. Why? What, fuck you. He's playing that. I mean, why 
why is he playing those songs? Why is he throwing two or three? But that's that. That's the thing, isn't it? He's throwing those in to the, 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 uh, my feeling is that they are just very nominal nods towards the fact that he is still making contemporary records and i know he probably gave you that speech that he gives it every night which is we know which ones are the popular ones because the phone lights come the, phones, <laughs> the phone lights come out and then it's like a black hole when we sing a new one but we're gonna do a new one anyway and battle of the pauls here but uh, you know, so I I think that's his concession is that he does for you. I I don't I I think he would rather do a Beatles song himself than for you. But why doesn't he do that? You know, you, like we, I mean, it's not comparable. But you know, we went to see the Divine Comedy, and he just well, I'm just going to play the hits. I went to see Sparks. They just play wall to wall hits. Like every song is is a hit. Uh, every band every band will do that. Um, Paul, you know, he doesn't have to play for you. I mean, I wouldn't care if I never heard that song. Again, but he could he could play any <laughs> wing song. Okay, any, well, let's, listen. Is, let's get let's get into it. Okay, he yeah. put in. Okay, let's get he, into it. he put in. Come on to me. Over the last week, he was playing, and he substitute come uh, he substituted. Come on to me uh, for women and wives, which now he's consistently playing during soundcheck every night. Mm. All right. Uh, which I. To, I, I think my, my my bigger point here about the set list is going back to what I said earlier about I think this is a precursor to a proper McCartney 3-ish type of tour later on. I think that they, not necessarily saying that Paul wouldn't have been ready to play Find My Way or play um, Long Tail Winter Bird or whatever from McCartney 3, but I this this tour seems like a very much a recycled 2019 that that tour it, it in new markets quote unquote new markets and I think that there are just things that you know you think about the technical aspects of it the lights the they still have Johnny Depp and Natalie Portman oh, yeah. doing the sign language things uh, you know all of so a lot of it like I had seen before and so you know part of part of my thing is i feel like maybe he does the same thing because he just wanted to get back out on the road and there wasn't a lot of production time necessarily and there wasn't a lot of you know to to get a a whole new batch of animations for uh you know find my way or a whole new batch of you know, a uh, you know, whole new lighting show or whatever. Now, I say that fully knowing that it could easily be contradicted by the fact that they have Get Back, which has a customly put together video from Peter Jackson. He made a video montage of unseen footage uh, just Ooh. for the tour uh, for that song, which was awesome. And then they put <laughs> together the I've Got a Feeling with John during the encore. Yeah. It could go either way, I guess. End of part one. Intermission. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. End of intermission. Part two. I would argue that he has no intention of touring McCartney 3 and that Women and Wives had its chance and it's probably gone. The song I was expecting him to do from McCartney 3 was Sliden because that's mm, a, yeah. a studio jam with uh, the boys anyway, uh, or a, it's a live soundcheck jam. So I was expecting Sliden to turn up. I, I think McCartney 3 is going to, from a live point of view, disappear into the rearview mirror. It is bizarre that for you and come on to me uh, are still present like it's still like an egypt station oh, tour uh, terrible um, you know maybe mccartney 3 is a bit too homemade or it's not bandy enough i don't know but um i just i i i, I i'd be amazed if he thinks i mean the thing that's probably more curious is that there's a couple of kind of what you might call maybe not top tier oldies that still persist like a song like Letting Go, Letting which go. is a song I like, which but, goes on way yeah, too long. By the way, there yeah. there were a couple of those songs. There were a couple of songs that end, and then yeah. he launches back into it. Come on to me, being one of them. Letting Go, being one of them. Letting Go went on way yeah. too long. Come on to me. Why did? Don't play it. We don't like. No one likes that song and, and except for Paul. Nobody needs to hear. Let me roll it again. I'd, I'd be quite happy for Let Me Roll It to be relaxed out of the uh, set list. But then he can't tell the Jimi Hendrix story. <laughs> this is oh, this God, is yeah. uh, the same set list that we saw in 2018, in in late late 2018. Yeah. You know, this is this is pretty much the same. You know, uh, down to the, in spite of all the danger, love me do. Uh, he, he's added. You never give me your money, and she came in through the bathroom window. He didn't do those the night we saw him. No, and he didn't. He didn't do. We can work it out. We got. Uh, we got from me to you. Yeah, we, I. I also. I also saw from me to you. Yeah. on that last tour. Um, that, was the, I, that was that was the best song he did the whole night. I will also say uh, he said something weird before playing. You give me your money, which, by the way, they skip right into. Uh, out of college, money's back. That's where it started. That's where, oh, um, which is oh. very interesting. Um, That's how it starts. I think it's because that <laughs> entire motif of you, you never give me your money happens during uh, Carry That Weight. Oh, yeah. So I think that's that. That's my uh, speculation of why he skipped it. But he said, before he started, he said something to the effect of, you know, We've never played this song before, so this is like a North Carolina special. 
But what I think he <laughs> meant to say was we've never played this song in North Carolina because I looked it up and you never give me your money slash potentially she came in through your bathroom window or th through the bathroom window. I think it might have just been you never give me your money. But I looked on Setlist FM. He's played it like 46 times in his life. I, never I, in North Carolina. I, saw, I saw him play You Never Give Me Your Money in Las Vegas in 2001. Or maybe January yeah. 2002. He hasn't played it since the 2002-2003 tour. Yeah. And then yeah. he just sat at a piano, electric piano, mm. and played a solo version and pretended to forget the words. Every I night he pretended I would have liked that. He, yeah, I thought it was a very nice touching moment until he did it the next night and then the next night and the next <laughs> night. And, and then it turned up on the record. And uh, But, you know, is is so just running through the set list, what I... What I really must have been spectacular was the fact that he opened with Can't Buy Me Love. The first time I saw McCarty was 1989. And that, in my memory, is the first Beatles song I heard <laughs> done by a Beatle. But it wasn't, the, you know, it, it, it came quite far into the set list. But in my head, uh, you know, whatever song came before that, Hello, Goodbye, Gotta Get You Into My Life, those were kind of completely extinguished. And my memory is just that rush of Can't Buy Me Love. Did you know that, had you read the set list in advance, were you ready for Can't Buy Me Love? Uh, yeah, yeah, I was. Um, I was I was also prepared to go get a beer during Women and Wives. Uh, <laughs> I would, yeah, I, uh, I, I, I would have been calling out for um, Figure of Eight, you know, the 1989 <laughs> tour opener. That's, that's kind of where I would want him to go, to be honest. That'd be great. Imagine if he did Figure of Eight, Stephen. I'd be terrible. Um, but, but the first, I mean, the first four songs, Can't Buy Me Love, Junior's Farm, Letting Go, which is a great song, was the horn section in the audience? For that? Uh, the horn section was not in the audience at any point. Um, oh, okay. But it was also, the stage was set pretty high up off the ground. We walked up pretty close before the before the set started um and there weren't even i mean there were stairs but there there was no like stage access from yeah. from the audience um i'm looking at the the set list that he played in raleigh uh three years ago um mm -hmm. almost three years to the day uh he i saw him on may 27th of 2019 and saw him again on may 21st of this year he started with a hard day's night that year and then Junior's Farm, and then All My Loving, and then Letting Go. Whereas this time it was Can't Buy Me Love, Junior's Farm, and then Letting Go. Um, yeah, and he's dropped All My Loving this time around as well. He's dropped All My Loving. He dropped, thank God, he dropped Who Cares. Uh, he dropped <laughs> uh, I've Just Seen a Face, which he did acoustically back then. He dropped, for he's dropped From Me to You. He dropped <laughs> Queenie Eye. Uh, this says on this on this rally thing, it says during Queenie Eye, it says Paul drinks water on stage. First known instance. No way. That's what it wow. says. Now that's a North Carolina claim to fame at a Paul McCartney gig. Yep, that's what it says. That's what it says. Wow. Um. Um. And he he has brought back in. Um. What is it? Uh, getting better from Sergeant. Which Bell. is my all-time favorite song. Period. Oh good. Period. Oh good. Period. N all time of any artist ever. It is my favorite song. And so I knew, I knew he's playing it as the seventh song every night. And I went into it and I told everybody, I said, listen, I'm going to 
transcend into the celestial <laughs> realm around the seventh song. <laughs> there are seven levels. And then... Why is it your favorite song, William? Um, uh, how deep we want to go into Sorry. this? Um, well, I'm I'm aware we're into the second hour. All right, here we go. So. Uh, all right, here we go. Um, it's just, I think uh, you guys spent so much time talking about Hey Jude. I think that Hey Jude is one of the best pop songs of all time. It is, and and you know we are. Uh, I know we Stephen and I, and maybe we talked about it on on even the last time uh, I was on. But um, you know, Paul is. Paul's thing is that he believes in the power of the pop song. He believes in the power of just a song, really, to unite everybody. He believes in the power of, uh, you know, uh, yeah, just that universe, universe, uh, universal nature of of music, you know. Um, and I think that he's just been on a sixty-year, almost sixty-year journey to write the best pop song. And I, I feel like with getting better, both the chords, I think the bass playing is fantastic. He never plays the same bass line twice. Uh, and it's also the perfect, perfect, perfect representation of the McCartney-Lennon, uh, sorry, Lennon-McCartney uh, songwriting partnership of, you know, it's getting better all the time. It can't get no worse, you know. Um, and uh, it just, it is, in my mind, I think it's just the perfect pop song. And uh, it, it, it also makes makes me feel like such a McCartney fan because I feel the same way. It is getting better all the time. It is getting better all the time. Um, to move, move from that, what was the song where you went to the beer tent? You know, what was the... Uh, My Valentine. Yeah. Yeah. yeah good good yeah. call. Yeah. And it was... And you know you know why it was that song? I, I like My Valentine. I love that record. I love Kiss, Kiss on the Bottom. Uh, I... I uh, I love that record and I, and I love that song, uh, which by the way, when I saw him three years ago, I don't know uh, what he did with you guys, but um, he said, uh, I wrote this song for Nancy and she's here tonight. So she just had every gig. Maybe. Because he said it again and I was like, man, Nancy's in Winston? Jeez, that's... Not a great Saturday for Nancy. That's an even bigger deal. <laughs> um, in a big, in a, in a, she probably just arrived in one of her big trucks that she owns. Yeah, um, but uh, but no, my Valentine. Uh, it was it was right after uh, Let Him In, and so everybody, you know, that song starts. It's it's very low key. You know, they bring out the the nylon string guitar and everything, and everyone sits down. They're like we've done right. we've yeah. done eight songs time to time to sit down. So I'm the only one in the section standing up, and I was like, well, I guess this is a the best time I, I should go. <laughs> well, it's it's uh, it's just been covered and released by um, Michael Michael Bublé, yep. old Mickey Bubbles to his friends. So you know maybe Paul's just trying to drive it home as a as a as a standard i think i um, think it's because they paid johnny depp and natalie portman so much money to do a sign language video i think that's why they got to get their I'd money's worth they did it i'd say they did it for free you know <laughs> toadies that they it's are it's funny that all the social media was was suddenly you know paul mccartney expresses his support for johnny depp and the <laughs> trial against them and you think no no he's been he's been playing this video for three years the other song I, that i the other song that i thought was weird that suddenly emerged was new I hate that song. 
I think it was a total waste of time. Total waste of time. It gets stuck in your head, though. Total waste I of time. Do like, I do like new, but it fits into that slot where he sometimes drops flaming pie. You know what I mean? Yeah. The short, uber beatly latter day solo song. Yeah. <laughs> so it's either new or or uh, I'm the man on the flaming pie, because uh, he did flaming pie the night we saw. Him. Okay, I don't I don't hate new. I I, I take it back. I don't hate hate new, Good. but it just after here today, which he did, uh, you know, the whole tribute that he always says about John. Um, which uh, another thing I, I wanted to point out about the show. Uh, that was different than 2019 and a lot uh, every, basically everybody I was with uh, we were talking about it afterwards and debriefing and everything and everyone pointed out that he kept playing the song and then talking about the song after he played it which he didn't do in 2019 so it was almost like he looks at the set list he says oh Blackbird's up next and then he plays it and then he's like oh I for- totally forgot to talk about Blackbird and so then he starts talking about it, and then he goes in to here today, and then he says, "Oh wow, I totally forgot to talk about here today." <laughs> and uh, yeah, so that that was slightly odd, but but anyways, I just feel like there's a there's a better way to blast back into the full band set, yeah. Uh, you know, because they wind down and do all of that yeah. stuff. Uh, th- you know, coming coming right out and hitting Lady Madonna would would hit and then go into new and then go into for you you know if you're gonna do it did he do the is it the ukulele version of something he did and that was unbelievably good unbelievably good it it was way 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 better than when i saw it three years ago i think it was and jude and i talked about it he said he thought that it was one of the best versions of that tune Um, because sometimes, and we talked about it musically, sometimes when they play it, it's like, it's almost like lopy. Mm. Like it's like, mm-hmm. um, uh, it's supposed to be bouncy. That's the arrangement. It's supposed to be bouncy before they get into the dong, 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 dong. It's supposed to be a bouncy, but sometimes it's like clunky. Yeah. So when I saw it before it was, you know, you're, it's like riding horseback or something. But this, it was just perfect. It was it was flawless. It was absolutely flawless. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I mean, I do, I do. you know, th- th- these things have been mainstays of his sets for years. The John Lennon tribute with Here Today and the George Harrison tribute with something. And it's it feels very mean-spirited to say, mm, you know, sh- you, do, you, do you still need to, to do that? Um, I think he probably does it for himself. And the fact that, you know, he's playing a place like, you know, Winston-Salem where, you know, they're not going to get another Paul McCartney gig again. That That's his one chance to to put it in front of those people. So he, he's not really going to, to pull it out of the set list. But what I do think is interesting is the one big change in this tour, and it is a tribute to John in a way, is the I've got a feeling moment. So should we talk about that? Absolutely. Yeah. You knew that was coming? You knew that was coming? I knew it was coming. I had watched. I at first I was like, you know, I want to be surprised, but then I was like, ah, I've I've heard some things from a certain Stephen Cockcroft about the set list, so I might as well just go check it out. Um, Stephen Cockcroft, who predicted Paul would never play live again. That's Stephen Cockcroft. Uh, this one in the, one same, the same, yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I'm, I'm, I'm renowned for my, the accuracy of my uh, predictions. I would, well, if we're, if we're talking about accuracy of predictions, not to call anyone out, but a certain Jason Uh-oh. Carty said that Uh-oh. Uh, he was going to put 10 pounds on that Paul was going to start with get back. So I did you say can that. wire I did say that. either write me a cashier's check <laughs> or a wire transfer or Venmo. I would do, but I, I put all my pounds in Bitcoin. I've had a terrible <laughs> week. It's just not working out at all. Oh, I've, I pegged you for a Dogecoin, man. Um, but um, <laughs> I uh, no, uh, the I've got a feeling. Wait, can I actually can I talk about get back first cause, since I was first in the set list? Yeah, that. Um, the, the, yes, I'm not dumb to get ahead of ourselves because get back is uh, it's towards the end of the set list before we get to any encore. So the, the the last run of songs is get back, band on the run, let it be, live and let die, and hey Jude. Yep. To end the set pre encore, so get back is right at the end. So tell us about get back first because you mentioned the Peter Jackson video a moment ago. Yeah. Um. So on the screen behind him, there was. You know, the whole montage and, and the two screens, which, by the way, the two screens that are on either side of the stage are gigantic, are gigantic. <laughs> Everyone that I went with, we we all said that we kept for, they were so crystal clear too. we kept forgetting that he wasn't actually that big <laughs> because he it was he was gigantic. And and I kept having to tell myself, man, this seat is so good. I got to stop looking at the video screen and look right there at the real guy. Um, but anyways, get back. Uh, they had a, a bunch of footage and I was like, oh, I haven't seen that shot. Oh, I haven't seen that shot. I haven't seen that shot. Wow. And then he gets done playing it and he says, uh, you know, we have to give a big hand to, to Peter Jackson, um, who made uh, fr- from the Get Back series and um, Lord of the Rings. <laughs> <laughs> and um, and uh, he put that together for us for the tour. And I was like, oh, wow. So Peter Jackson is a true Beatles fan on the side of Beatles fans uh, in uh, giving us. I, 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 he definitely is on, on, on our side. Yeah. yeah. And any, any particular revelations in the... Uh... The uh, the new get back footage that you saw with get back. No, it all happened so fast. I mean, it's just it, okay. it was just it, you know, and some of it was the same. You know, John dancing in with the teacup and stuff like that. You know, um, but there, it was just different different angles and stuff. And I was like, man, I, every day, every day, I think about <laughs> when we're gonna get that bonus footage. Uh, <laughs> God, but anyways, yeah, never I, I think is the answer. <laughs> to that, isn't it? <laughs> we'll see. But but but. I think it's true. I mean, I do, like we were talking a few minutes ago about, you know, he's touring the McCartney 3 or would he tour McCartney 3? I think this tour, by the name of the tour, it's the Got Back Tour. He's touring the Beatles Get Back documentary. Yeah. That is the, that is the a bigger in, I think, in the last 12 months than, than any kind of, uh, you know, on, and I love McCartney 3, but I, I think, I think it, it kind of had its moment in time. Well, it's a number one record, though. And I didn't hear any oh, songs oh, from yeah. it, you know? <laughs> yeah, but was anyone complaining apart from you, maybe? Jude. It is weird that he's got, what was it, three songs from Egypt Station? Uh, yeah. You know, and, and you think, well, you know, that isn't, you, you know, if you're going to put new songs in, if you're going to put things in that aren't Wings or... Beatles hits or solo hits, then it's going to be a couple of tracks off your new album. That's the way it works. And yeah. 
I mean, I saw when I saw Bobby on April first. That was it was rough and rowdy ways, and yeah. and three three other songs. Yeah, um, I mean, Dylan has completely gone the other way. You know, yeah. he's he's just touring. He's not going to give you his hits even in a right, sort of right. unrecognizable form. Um, um, it, well, that was that was somebody put that question to me on Twitter about you know how do you rate Paul McCartney's 21st century records against uh, Bob Dylan's and I think well there's there's no comparison there they're it's chalk and cheese it's you know it's they're not they're not it's completely incapable of 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 that kind of comparison do you not think they're 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 doing different things they're working yeah. in different they they're working different in different things. different uh, arenas you know they're, they're but I I I possibly think Rough and Ready Ways is his best album and that's a big ask but I, I, I think it's because and it's a bit like David Bowie's Black Star I think it's because it's a great album and it just got this moment in time that's sometimes so hard to, to capture yeah um, I, I think it's a brilliant record I think it I, I think, think so. it I think it stands compar- I, I wouldn't go as far as to say it was his his best record but uh, it, it stands comparison with his absolutely his best work and there's you know there's very few people that you could say that of. I don't think you can say it about Paul. I don't think you can say it about the Stones. I don't think you can say it about the Who. I don't any of the, those his contemporaries. Donovan, Donovan, yeah. maybe. Bingo, <laughs> take your shot. Um, but McCartney Three is a great record, though. I, I, it is, oh, I it is a great, it, it is a great, it's record, a great record. But it's a different, it's a different. Again, it's, it's. I, I think Jason's much as it pains me to say it. I think Jason's right. I think uh, it, it. It was a moment in time, and and yeah. it kind of struck a chord, and people liked it for what it was, and and but yeah, I could see the difficulty in touring. But there's a couple of songs there that you know he could swap out, Obladi Oblada, and bring in Lavatory Lil. That would be. <laughs> you and I both know he's Lavatory not playing Lil. Lavatory Lil. Um, no, but I mean, I I I was very surprised that he didn't open with Longtail Winterbird. Whenever the tour was announced, I was like, man, they're going to come out and he's not going to come on stage until, you know, three minutes into that song. 20 minutes into the song, he's going <laughs> to yeah. finally just repeat the same yeah. thing. Well, let's 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 kind of absolutely get to the $64 million question. Yes. His voice. Incredible. Like, I... I yeah, I, that's probably the the point I'm most excited to talk about uh, is the fact that uh, I I had watched some video and just didn't come across great. It didn't come across well, um, especially like in Spokane. Um, I, I I just watched a little bit of like a, a Twitter live stream or something, yeah. uh, and I just I was talking to my friend Josh and, and the friend of the show, and and uh, he's. He was like, man, I, he's just getting old. He just sounds so old. I'm gonna cry when I see him and all this stuff. And I, I was like, well, I mean, that's a given. But, uh, but also, you know, yeah, he does. He sounds old. But he came out, man. And I don't know. They, it was like a. He was just going around like a house of fire, and like it was incredible. He, he, um, he just. You could tell two things. My my mom wanted. I asked my mom. I talked to her today, and I asked her uh, if she had any thoughts that she'd like me to share. And she said that he felt well. William, I felt that 
No, that's, I won't do her impression. Um, that's we a, don't know whether it's an accurate impression. I would have to that, say that is starters. That, do any voice that is an accurate, want. very accurate impression. Um, but no, she um, she said that she just felt like he was a bit more introspective, and that he seemed like he was enjoying it more than when we saw him three years ago. And I think that that's true. And I sort of was talking to her about that. I I, I felt like you know maybe because of COVID or because of lockdown, because of, you know, he's about to turn 80. I think that he is recognizing some things about himself and about his life and, and everything. And I, I've, but in terms of his voice and in terms of his playing, I mean, he was up there, guys, he was playing these bass lines. And I was like, this cat is 79, about to turn 80. I'm 26 and I couldn't play bass and sing like that. And I know it's muscle memory, but still, it, I went in being like, you know, I'm going to cry because there's going to be a moment where his voice is going to crack or, you know, he's going to totally flub something. Yeah. And then I'm going to say, oh, it's all downhill from here. And, you know, he's get him off the stage and, you know, all of this stuff, pack it up, let's go home. But I left being like, this cat could do it for another 20 years. <laughs> he was, it was, it was absolutely, it was 10 times better than it was three years ago when I saw him. Really? Absolutely. And I felt like, yes, there were some times where, you know, okay, maybe his voice sounded old, but it was the same as it was three years ago. It was the same. It was better than it was on the Spotify sessions that they did from Studio 2 in 20, whatever that was, 20 with Egypt Station. Um, uh, It was better than... Um, uh, you know the the worldwide broadcast where he played Lady Madonna. Uh, his voice just sounded good. He had he was just feeling it. And by the time that they got to Band on the Run, they yeah. just went to the stars. I mean, the band just they were already locked in on a couple. I thought that they did. I thought when they did something that was incredible. I thought they really locked in on Maybe I'm Amazed early on in the set. Uh, got to get you into my life was really great early on on the set, but they really locked in on Band on the Run and it was, they just, they took off. But I just, anyways, back to your question. I think the, the, his voice, I went in with such low expectations because of what everyone's been saying. And I, and I, and I, as a Paul fan and as a Beatles fan, I've been concerned about him headlining Glastonbury, you know? And, oh man, he's just not gonna be able to do it. And I said, uh, I was telling Jude as we were walking out, I said, you know, that guy needs to be headlining Glastonbury. He's still got it, man. It's it's absolutely it's fantastic. Well, that's wonderful to hear because I I too had a bit of that worry about Glastonbury as well, you know, because it's broadcast live on the BBC over here when it goes out, you know, so it it carries a lot of uh, it gets a lot of eyeballs on the television. It's not something that just stays in the field, and you know, there's a well known Glastonbury effect where artists' album sales, you know, peak in the week after Glastonbury, you know. Um, Most notably when Jeff Lynne went to number one with his greatest hits in 2017 after playing the legend slot for ELO. Hooray! For 2016. Anyway, um, what's curious is that Paul is playing Glastonbury and he doesn't really have a shiny greatest hits um, to, to, to promote at that time. That's a, a whole other podcast, Stephen, entitled Why Can't Paul McCartney Do a Proper Solo Greatest Hits? He's got too many. 
It'll be interesting to yeah, see probably. if he rejigs that set list. You know, it'll be a slightly shorter set list, presumably. Will he, you know, oh, is he going to gonna play here today? Is he going to play something? No. Oh, did he do that the last time he played Glastonbury? I can't remember that set list. I, I, I think he's been like playing here background. today, you know, every show since 1989. I thought, well, I thought about it. I thought about that question too, Jason. Um, Cause you know, and, and, and I asked Jude over the weekend, I said, you know, do you think him playing Glastonbury, do you think he's going to play things that there, there are, um, uh, you guys have talked on the pod before about, I've just seen a face and you know, that being the first song on the American cut of rubber soul. And so him playing that in America is much different than him playing it in yeah. the UK. Do you think that he's going to play, he's going to pull out Mall of Kintyre? Well, I'm just looking. He headlined Glastonbury in 2004, and it, there's a truncated version up on YouTube, which is a storming watch. The most interesting thing that happens is he peers from behind a curtain, and the curtain, even though it's 2004, is an Egypt station curtain. So uh, go and check that out, uh, 14 years before the album came out. <laughs> but actually looking at the set list here, it is it is quite different and there's some surprises uh jet got to get you into my life flaming pie all my love and let me roll it she's a woman uh maybe i'm amazed long and winding world in spite of all the danger blackbird we can work it out here today all things must pass was the george harrison cover mm. yellow submarine mm. holy moly in the middle of glastonbury that'll be well, good you see that, that's um, john george and ringo that's his little mid-set yeah uh, I'll follow the sun, Calico Skies, Eleanor Rigby, Drive My Car, Penny Lane, Get Back, Band on the Run, Back in the USSR, Live and Let Die. I've got a feeling. Lady Madonna, Hey Jude, Yesterday, Follow Me. Oh yeah, that song, Follow Me. Uh, Let It Be, I saw her standing there, Helter Skelter, Sergeant Pepper, Reprise, and The End. So very different set list, still a lot of overlap, but actually quite a different vibe to that. So yeah. um, he's definitely going to bring something different but even that for a Glastonbury set list that's a, a 33 song set list that's not usually Glastonbury headliners at a push they get 90 minutes yeah. he'll probably get two hours yeah it'd be very interesting to I mean, see when, when the Stones played they only allowed a certain like was it like 45 minutes of the set they allowed them they allowed yeah. them to put 45 minutes out of the set um so yeah, the, 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 usually they don't let 100% of it go out. So I certainly haven't seen 100% of this Maca no. set list. There's a, there's a good hour up online to, to look at. It's a bit like when Bowie did Glastonbury, most of it was under wraps, and then they released it about three or four years ago as a very good live album. But it brings me back to that thing, because what I think will play remarkably well in, uh, in, in Unworthy Farm uh, is the I've Got a Feeling John Lennon yeah. screen. And I think that's going to be the goosebump most talked about moment post Glastonbury when that goes down. That, and you know, even thinking about it now, it's 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 really quite a heavy thought that Paul is going to bring John Lennon to Glastonbury yeah. and perform with John Lennon yeah. at Glastonbury. And and the first time I saw the video camera footage after the first night of the tour, and it was the rickettiest wonkiest video camera footage of all but i personally am pro mobile phones at gigs with caveats but um the i couldn't believe i couldn't believe how emotive it was to see him turn his back around and look at john singing and you know i'm sure the majority of people the night you were there uh, william weren't expecting it uh yeah 
I I don't think so. I mean, it was it was like uh you know, pro- probably the the same reaction from the crowd that happened in LA when he brought out Ringo 3 years ago, you know? Like right. because it was like bringing out a guest yeah. a guest onto the stage, you know what I mean? Um and yeah, I mean it was just one of I had seen it. I watched it yeah. on YouTube and um I've seen a couple of different angles and stuff and um but really from where I was sitting especially with the sound and everything, I mean it was it was incredible. It was at first it was like, "Oh wow, that's amazing. That's really cool. Like what a novelty thing." And then when they start singing over each other, yeah. It was like yes. it just hit me like a ton of bricks of that is Paul McCartney from the yeah. Beatles in who is also in that footage. He's they they do a really great job of using camera angles so that Paul doesn't show up in the background of the John yeah, video. Yeah. But you know that he's there. And it's yeah. and so, you know, there's <laughs> there's a point at which yeah, it's very very emotive. You know, you, it, there's a point at which you're like that is Paul McCartney at 79 years old singing with John Lennon who was 28 years old at the time. And yeah, I, 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 the more I watched it and I watched it a few times the night it came out, I mean, you, you kind of, you, you get gobsmacked because I, I'd seen a similar thing a few years ago at a Queen concert when um, Brian May was playing Love of My Life and then Freddie appears on the screen and it, it is quite affecting. Yeah, And you, uh, the older I get, you know, some people like to be cynical about things, but you know, you, you do look at it and go, that was a man Paul knew that was his friend. Yeah. And the more you watch it, you think you, you just feel even more compounded by it. it's wonderful. It's magical. And then you just get hit by this wave of what we lost. Yeah. And John should be there. And we've lost 40 years of John releasing yeah. records and probably touring and all that kind of stuff. And it's, it just makes it, makes it very, 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 Real. I, I don't think, you know, you'd, you'd have to have a heart of stone not to look at it in all the layers. I, I don't see it as a, you know, as a, you know, a cynical thing in any shape or form. I think it's quite beautifully done. Yeah. I, I feel like with, like you said, the, the thing that we lost, it's it's hard to believe that Paul McCartney from the Beatles is up there singing and then you have yeah. John Lennon from the Beatles you know un- unable to be around singing i mean that that's just yeah it it was um it's really really spectacularly done and uh you know as as a musician and and someone uh who has a band you know with them like you know when when i have to sub you know if my bass player has a gig or or my drummer has a gig or something like um, my guitar player or whatever, like, and we have to sub out. It's like, we have our core four people, myself included, you know, and then yeah. it's, it's fine to get a sub and, and, you know, and everything, but there's that we've played enough together. Now the core four of us that we just enjoy playing together. And like, those are, those are my fellas, you know, and to think about, and so when you sub it out, it's like, you know, Three of us are, are really, you know, locked in, and not to say that you know a, a sub can't, but no, that's, but it 
that is the magic of a band. Yeah. You know, if you're a four piece band, the band is the fifth person. When it works, right. it works. And that's just, that's why bands are awesome. Yeah. And I think that's the thing about that I, I, I thought about while watching that, while watching that was that, you know, that's his mate. You know, that's his, that's, that's yeah. his, that's his bandmate. That's his, uh, and, and they're playing together again. And, you know, he probably at this point in the tour is used to it and, like in the rehearsals, I but I did think about what happened the first time that they rehearsed it. What kind of emotions yeah. was he was he feeling, or everyone in the room feeling? You know, um, yeah. But I'm assuming he did the same thing with your audience that he turns his back to the to to the crowd and looks up at the John on the screen, which yeah is I I can't ima- I can't imagine that that I'm sure that is still a very affecting thing for him to try and. Be in that mode. I, I think so. I think so. I mean, mm. I, I think it, us talking about him doing the same things and doing the same bits and everything, that's just that's showbiz, baby. You know? But yeah, there but exactly. but there are there are instances like, you know, I have a I have a song called Ireland the about my, my girlfriend leaving for an extended period of time and, and going to study abroad. She went to Sweden, not Ireland, but didn't find that out until okay. later. Um, but uh, <laughs> but anyways, like I, whenever I'm on tour and I'm away from her, I play that song every night. And there are, you know, I can think of a lot of instances, especially at, you know, playing bigger venues and more important gigs and stuff where she's not there. And it's kind of funny. I play that song and I'm away from her, you know, but I, but even though you play it every night and you say the same bit, you know, you, you, you know, there's, there's something about it. You know, you, you think, think about that. You think about the emotion behind the song and, and the parallels and stuff. And, you know, so I, I definitely think it's one of those things. He, him turning around and doing the, the same thing is him, you know, thinking about it. I will say if I go and see him in Baltimore, which we'll get to this point, but if I go see him again on this tour and he does after the first couple of songs, I can't remember after what song it was, but he, he says, I just want to take a moment and soak it all in. And he steps to the left, you know, left of the mic or whatever. And then everybody like cheers. He probably doesn't, he's probably not taking it in at that point, but <laughs> uh, I think he's taking some of it. In. Maybe. Yeah. Uh, well, it's, it's like his spontaneous, uh, Foxy lady, that, that, that he just uh, <laughs> he he did he did say he did say we always play that and we we play that as a tribute to Jimi Hendrix and then he tells the story that no one has ever heard before about how Jimi Hendrix uh, covered Sgt. Pepper at the Savile Theater but uh, I digress. Um, well, you know, I I I I I I am very mindful as old Beatleheads to to not be overly dismissive of some of these stories because even after our 17 episodes on Hey Jude I did have one or two messages about I've never heard that movement you need is on your shoulder story before and there's always some people in the crowd who don't know that you know oh yeah that's as you say it's showbiz baby and he's playing the hits but this is this is the thing he's he's he has to cater for the people that are there for the first time that are the the want to or haven't seen him since 1965 yeah. and want to re-experience that want to reconnect with that or seeing it or bringing their kids along for the first time and uh you know these yeah they haven't they haven't heard these they haven't heard these uh these story and so yeah um i'm just kind of looking at the the run of songs that he played for the encore 
Um, so he comes back on, does I've Got a Feeling, the virtual duet, Birthday into Helter Skelter, which he did the night we saw him, and which for me was a highlight. I couldn't believe how good Helter Skelter oh was. Oh my God, I, I, I wouldn't care if I never heard that again. <laughs> uh, then Golden Slumbers Carry That Weight and <laughs> The End. Um, that's ridiculous uh, as an encore, really. I'm, I'm assuming everybody's happy by that stage. Yeah, I mean, Helter Skelter, the animations, uh, especially for that, it was it was amazing. And with the screens and Is everything. Is it still like this digital tunnel? Thing? Yeah, yeah, the digital yeah. tunnel yeah. thing. Yeah. Um, why, I, yeah, yeah. I'd also like to say, uh, has there always been an LED screen on the back of the Magic Piano? That, that oh. I don't think... I think he had the Magic Piano in 1989, so that definitely wasn't that. Definitely I think, not. I, I think that's a new... I'm trying to remember, did he have it in 2018? That might be new. I think... No, no, no. no. I don't... He, he had it, well, he certainly had it in 2019. Oh, did he? Okay. I just... I seem to remember whenever I saw him in 2019 that the piano was turned... So he was to the side. Mm-hmm. So, but this, this time they had it out front. And then I was like, man, they really did a good job painting that thing. Like, it's so bright. It's so vivid. <laughs> and then it started changing. Oh, well, look at that. See ya. Um, Magic paint. <laughs> I would like to give a, a big shout out to the Instagram page, Hog Hill Mill blog, uh, that um, uh, also follows the Nothing Is Real Instagram. Um, but they recently did a, a bunch of posts. Uh, it's a gear. It's a Paul McCartney gear blog, and they did a bunch of posts on the Magic Piano. I learned a lot about the Magic Piano, um, so yeah, wanted to give them a shout out. Um, looking at the set list on Setlist FM, it says that when the show was over, and by the way, did Paul have any parting words like "I'll be right back" or "I'll see you all"? He said. He said all. He said there comes a time in the show where. We have to go home, and <laughs> and you guys have to go home too, and uh, so all I guess all there is left to be said. I think it was right before Golden Summers. He said, uh, "All that's left to be said is we'll see you next time." Yeah, we got a version of that too. Um, but Setlist FM says that once the show was over and he left the stage. No More Lonely Nights played over the PA. No More Lonely Nights played through the PA. Uh, I'm s- Is that right? Yeah, that's right. I'm sad. Oh, I'm- that'd be the best bit of the night. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sad. I'm sad that uh, I didn't see him on uh, on Mother's Day, the American Mother's Day. Uh, they played Your Mother Should Know over the speakers. Oh. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, but no, they played No More um, Lonely Nights. That's a, that's a nice acknowledgement that it's a decent song, but it is impossible to play live and it's actually more slow than you think and would probably kill the pace of the show if we did drop it in. Uh, that's my but ongoing... But he could, he could no do the 12-inch disco mix. <laughs> yeah. The B-sub. That's not going to happen. They should uh, they should have uh, subbed that out for new, but or come <laughs> on to me. So um, from what I read, there's about 32,000-odd people would have seen him that night, uh, that's roughly the capacity of the stadium. Yeah. Uh, sold out house. Everybody went home happy. Uh, a lot of people went home angry because of the traffic. Uh, <laughs> yeah. A lot of people went home angry because of the traffic. Uh, yeah. It didn't take us very long to get out. It didn't take us very long to get in. But, you know, that's just that was just our experience. And, and I, I, I do. I saw someone on the Winston-Salem Reddit page 
complaining. They waited for, they came from out of town. So mistake number one. <laughs> um, <Yeah>. But then <laughs> they, they waited four hours in traffic only to be told that the parking lot was full. And they they made it in by eight fifty, and Paul was just starting. So I know that they that he delayed or they delayed him by fifteen yeah. or so minutes. I think he started like eight forty eight or something like that, um, and it mm-hmm. didn't get out until about eleven thirty. So, well, we we shouldn't be angry at traffic because if you're in traffic, you are traffic. That's, you that's, are the traffic. Yeah, well, you are the you traffic. are the traffic. That you are the traffic. But the million-dollar question, William, and we know the answer to this, we think, is are you going to go see him again on the tour? You have another gig coming up that we need to talk I about. I have another gig. Uh, so um, unless the hate mail reaches sizable proportions <laughs> for you guys, uh, hopefully uh, I can come back on and give a, a, um, <laughs> a review of me seeing the youngest man, uh, Ringo Starr, um, I'm yeah. seeing Ringo Starr on uh, the 14th of June, um, which is just a couple of weeks here. Um, what was that? I think that's somebody playing a piano in my room, oh, my house. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, I'm seeing uh, Ringo on, on June 14th. Um, and I, w- I will say there is a Paul McCartney gig, Paul McCartney from Wings, uh, gig on <laughs> June 12th. Also, I'm going to see Ringo in Baltimore, and there is a Paul McCartney gig on June 12th, also in Baltimore. Uh, now, Ringo is playing that night in Rhode Island. However, uh, he uh, Paul plays the 12th and then does not play again until the 16th, and I'm seeing Ringo on the 14th. Unfortunately, Ringo is playing the 14th and 15th, so I may have to go to both. Mm. But you might have what, to. first of all, I'd like to pose this question to both of you. What are the chances that Paul McCartney from the Beatles shows up at the Ringo concert on the 14th and or 15th? But the 14th. Where's Ringo playing? What type of venue is it? He it'll is be a playing. Theater. It'll be a theater. It's a theater, yeah. Um, well, this, this is a question that I don't know the answer to, but has Paul McCartney ever turned up at a Ringo Starr gig? I don't... Not to my knowledge, and I think it... Unless... I, I think it... I would put the likelihood of Paul rocking up at a Ringo gig as... That's what... Quite that's low. exactly what I said. But then my my friend Josh, who I'm going to the Ringo show with, said that Paul McCartney showed up at a Neil Young concert in the last 10 years. He did. So it, he turned up at a ring at a Neil Young gig in Hyde Park in London, mm-hmm. which is near where he lives. He had a few. He, yes, and they were doing a day in the life, and it all got a bit jolly. You can see it on YouTube. He, it's good fun. He was very refreshed. But Paul would have had cause. Paul would have more than likely just been ten minutes up the road in Cavendish Avenue. So I don't know how casually local. Paul would be to Ringo's gig. He would have to well, make the effort to go. What is Paul's relationship with Hamish Stewart? Oh, he's in Ringo's band at the moment. Because Hamish Stewart, who obviously was in the 1989 touring band, Paul's band, uh, is part of the All-Star band. So... Hmm. Well, that, that, that might be a good thing. 
in order to get Paul yeah. involved, make him feel comfortable with the people on stage. Have you seen Ringo before, William? No, I have not. Oh, you're in for a treat. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm very <laughs> much looking forward to it. Uh, I just feel like how, Paul is playing in Baltimore on yeah. June 12th, and just two days later, I want this to happen. I I want this to happen more than probably anything else in my life <laughs> at this point. <laughs> Um, yeah. I want this. Hmm. Well, I can hear the sound of your girlfriend packing a case in the other room. <laughs> <laughs> um, I want this. Well, well, I want this to happen. And I think, listen, the Beatles Twitter community is a force to be reckoned with. I think that lovely group. We need to start some sort of movement uh, on Twitter to make this happen on the 14th of June. And I will gladly stay and buy a cheap ticket on the 15th of June uh, to go see Ringo. However, I would also like to ask the Nothing Is Real Faithful, if there is anyone who does not live in the continental United States and is unable to attend the Paul McCartney gig on <laughs> June 12th. <laughs> Please pass the ticket on to William. If you if look, yeah. Listen, we started the whole A cast plus thing on the off chance of you know an eccentric billionaire out there <laughs> might be might look kindly upon us. So if there's any eccentric billionaires out there yes. who'd like to contribute to the get William to as many gigs on the Paul and Ringo tour as possible fund, yes, uh, that's totally reasonable. But I the 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 offer stands. If anybody's getting rid of a a ticket, if there's another blind child perhaps. <laughs> Uh, who's going to skip another Paul gig or, you know, trying to get to the Ringo show, um, William I, will elbow them out of the way in order to take that. If, if anyone, I'm in the Nothing Is Real Facebook page. I am on Twitter uh, at Woomfie, W-O-O-M-F-I-E. If anyone is listening to this, you can find me on Instagram <laughs> at William Henson, H-I-N-S-O-N. If anyone on here has a ticket that is, they're trying to get rid of it or they just want to send me 50 bucks, I I just had I just had a terrible thought. Go on. That what's going to happen? What's going to happen is one of Ringo's people is going to hear this, and Ringo's going to reach out to William and invite him to the gig, and you and I are just going to be completely <laughs> bypassed. We're going to just get completely well, shut out of this. I, I don't uh, know. I am the podcast. Now. Ringo's people. Ringo's people could hear this and. You know, they might go to William's website, you know, uh, williamhinson.com for all your William Hinton needs and get a, get download his picture and just stop him from entering the building saying this man Bingo. is obsessed. He's a liability. So yes. just be careful what you wish for. I thought, you were, I thought you were going to say they go, go to his website and say, you know, if you can get here, we have an, a support slot. <laughs> well, that that's a nice thought too. I like that. I like that one better. Um, but no, uh, I would I would really really like to go to the McCartney show, and I will. I would really I I, I would like to go to the second Ringo show. But yeah, we'd but, we'd all like to go. We'd all like <laughs> we'd all like that. I'd like to. I wish I was a hey, little bit taller. Do, I wish I was a baller. All those things. We're quite do happy you, that you use the uh, nothing is real to. Uh, do you do you guys want an in person recap of the show or not? <laughs> no, we, we no we do. Of course, we do. I'm, I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> um, it look it, it's 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 the big. Uh, debate about these tours and at this time in the universe which is 
what are the future opportunities to see all these people again? And uh, even myself and Stephen were having a conversation about this earlier, about certain tours that are happening this summer and should we or should we not yeah. um, go and see them? I mean, it's... it's, it's uh, Oh, well, as, as, as I'm much older than everybody else on this podcast, I can say you should go and see everybody. That you yeah. should just go and see them all. We, A friend of mine, we had this discussion a long time ago and we said, you know, there's going to come a point where all these guys are 80 years old. Or we actually at that point were probably thinking about 70, 75 years old and they, they'll never tour or they won't be able to tour or you know, they no longer be with us and you should absolutely go and see them. And you can't expect these people to sound the same as they did when they were 20, but that's not the point. There's a, there's yeah. a, there's an experience to be had. There's a kind of communal, communal experience. Um, what I would say is I've seen Paul in the UK and I've seen Paul in the States and the audiences in the States are just something else. The, the level of engagement and the level of almost kind of worship. You know, Paul, uh, you know, we went to see him in Liverpool and we thought, Paul, Liverpool, this will be... And they were, they were <laughs> yes. I, I wouldn't say indifferent, but they, they, they just talked, they, they yeah. drank, they wandered they, around. They, they re- we had lovely seats, but there was a particularly obnoxious family group in front of us who were phenomenally noisy, uh, refreshed. And noisy and boisterous and wandering in and out. But we also, very excitingly, uh, could spot Elvis Costello in the audience. That made me happy. With that was true. Songs. But, but, was fun. but when, when I saw Paul, twice I've seen Paul in America. And the audiences are just hanging on every word, every note. And it's, I, I, you know, I think Paul in the UK has a sort of slightly, you know, it's when you're slightly embarrassing uncle comes to visit and it, there's a kind of, you know, and it's all people make fun of Mull of Kintyre and the Frog Chorus and all that. But in America it's all about that Ed Sullivan appearance. And that's why I'm surprised he's not playing All My Loving. Because that was the song that just yeah. lifted the roof off the venue when I last saw him. You know? Yeah. Um, so yeah, we, we should we should all go and worship at the Church of Paul when we have, while we have the, uh, <laughs> while we have the chance. I absolutely agree. I in 2019, I had a chance to, or 2019, 2018, one of those. I, I had a chance to to see the Rolling Stones, and uh, and I went on tour instead, and uh, and then so it, you know the news from uh, the turn of the year was was really difficult, and 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 I I said you know tickets went on sale for Bob Dylan, and I said I'm I got them, and you know tickets went on sale for Paul and Winston, and I got them, and. You know, my buddy Josh asked me if I wanted to go see Ringo, and I said, "Absolutely, I do." And I, uh, I, I have to be here to be the one to break it to you, but the Stones are quite good live, you know. Yeah. Thank you, Stephen. That makes me feel a lot better. Um, they're getting they're getting very good reviews in America at the minute. That that show is their their tour is really getting good reviews, Charlie or no Charlie. And I was very upset. I, I, that hit me harder than I was expecting. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's, you know, particularly after the last two or three years and the opportunities for live music, you know, these things are kind of impacted. One of the very early podcasts that myself and Stephen did was back in 2015, and it was on the topic of old stars um, kind of shuffling off this mortal coil. And Stephen coined the phrase dome, the decade of mass extinction that was kind of ahead of us. Because that's the kind of guy I am. Because you're a lovely, warm person. <laughs> you love the song and, getting better. Um. 
<laughs> and, uh, uh, you know, the things we weren't expecting was that the following year was that horrible 2016 year where we lost Prince and Bowie and George Michael and Tom all Petty. of these things. Tom Petty was 2017. I had a chance to go see Tom Petty in 2017. I had a chance, but my, my wife suggested he was doing one European gig on the tour and I'd never seen him. And my missus said, let's go see him. He's being supported by Stevie Nicks. We'll go over to Hyde Park. And I was like, eh, effort. And uh, I lost my chance to see Tom Petty. And I said, all these things are slowly being compounded by time, the, uh, the, the pandemic, all these issues. And I think you just got to strike it while you while you can it's an expensive business no doubt about it trying to pick up all these tickets but um you know there's some and and people are doing great shows and great spectacles and as you say the screens are great the tech is great the sound is great you know it's a good time yeah we shouldn't knock these mega shows yeah i mean and i i do want to say too uh going back to the 64 million dollar question uh of how does his voice sound okay if his voice sounded old and tired, it's because he's old and maybe tired, you know? So who mm. cares? Number one. And number two, yeah. don't go, don't not go see the show. If you, if you are like, oh, I don't want to listen to his voice, there's still a fantastic band behind him. They are mm-hmm. fantastic. So... I, you know, there are there are many reasons to go and see Paul on tour, but I, I, you know, I have to say the band was just fantastic, just note for note, just killing it. The sound was incredible. The lights were incredible. They've been with him for twenty years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and and Wix has been with him for over thirty. You're absolutely right. That band are hugely underrated. They don't get their due. They are fantastic. And I think people think from afar that they are just, you know, trying to copy the record somehow. But you know as well, William, I've seen people try to play tribute bands or tribute music. That's not what they are doing. They are a white hot set of musicians and they are fantastic. They are fantastic. Vocals are fantastic and they deserve a lot of, lot of respect and kudos for doing what they do because it's, it's not... It's not a copy. It's a beyond that. And they are they are so live. That's the other thing. It might seem like a dumb thing to say, but there's a lot of gigs where there's a bit of trickery going on. And, you know, I went to see Roger Waters and there's a bit of trickery going on. But that band are live as a hot cat. Is that a phrase? Do kids still say that? Uh, I think so, but yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, that, that They're a fantastic band. That's, 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 my, I, that's my final I, I agree. I agree. I think... Um, uh, it, it the reason that they you know they're they're copying you know if people say oh they're copying they're playing trying to play it you know note for note whatever I think it goes back to what we were talking about earlier about Paul he he understands the significance of it needs to sound like can't buy me love it needs to sound like Ben on the run it needs to sound like all of these things you know because because of like there were people uh, one of my friends uh, I saw him walking in uh, and uh, he said yeah we we got a last minute last minute ticket for, you know, 40 bucks or whatever. And, uh, you know, but like they, they're not huge, huge Beatles fans or anything, but if you go, you can't, it, that, that's the thing that gets me about Dylan is like for, for true Dylan fans, like if I heard Mr. Tambourine Man played like a Baroque waltz, I'd be like, man, that's really cool. But if, <laughs> if uh, anyone else did, 
and they're expecting, you know, one guy and one acoustic guitar and they don't get that, they're going to be disappointed. And I feel like that's that's part of it too, you know, like Paul playing it exactly. It's it's about the experience for the people. That is, you know, that yeah. as well as the moment for him, obviously, like playing it, you know, but it just, uh, yeah, with his band, like they just play it so, so, so well. Like that drum solo during the end, you know, Abe just murders that. It's fantastic. <laughs> fantastic. Ah, oh, Stephen, are we going to try and go to America then for the end of the Paul tour? Is that, is that where the, the, the road this is leading us as to? As long as we don't have to go to Glastonbury, that's uh, fine. <laughs> oh, I tried. I tried to get tickets. I've been to Glastonbury. It is a magical and wonderful place in the Vale of Avalon. I, I cannot recommend the Glastonbury experience enough. Uh, anyway, I, I appreciate that we've been going on for some time. Any final thoughts, William? I know we're going to be talking again when we get into the Ringo Zone. Yeah. And I hope that your petitions don't fall on deaf ears, that somehow the good international crew of Nothing Is Realites will uh, get back to you. And I have to say, just as a side point, it has been lovely to get texts and tweets from people going to different gigs on this tour saying, oh yeah, I listened to your podcast and I'm off to see Paul and that is actually a really fun and lovely side effect of, of all of this Nothing Is Real madness that people around the world have been going to Paul and have been looping us in on that. So thank you, all you people out there. Um, but anyway, any final thoughts, William, do you think? Yeah, I just, once again, thank you guys so much, so, so, so much for, for having me on again. And, uh, you know, uh, I am obviously team Paul, uh, obviously, obviously. <laughs> I have a, a rubber duck of Paul, uh, on my desk. Um, but, um, yeah, so it, it was, uh, it, it goes back to like going, going and seeing Dylan was, was a very like religious experience, you know, it was like for me, I had never, having never seen him. Um, and, and I also as a live performer, um, you know, that just, there's nothing that beats live performance, going and seeing live performance and, and going, you know, uh, and seeing your heroes, um, you know, he flubbed the the first line of the second verse of Junior's Farm, and it was like, and and he noticed it, and he sort of laughed, you know, and, and then he came back in the next line, and he just, you know, even it's just the great mediator for for all musicians, you know, live performance is just the great mediator, and um, so it it's yeah, it's just such a wonderful time, and and uh, especially uh, for for me to get to see him in in a place that I spent so much time. Um, let's see like my absolute, he is the God that I worship, you know, <laughs> uh, in, in many ways. So to see him, uh, wow. in person in, in my hometown was, was really, uh, just a religious experience. So, um, yeah, no, it's absolutely lovely. That whole personal aspect of being in the football field that you know so well yeah. and being able to just visualize it happen and then have it happen. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, this is, this is, this is what life's all about really, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, I just... Again, I just want to thank you guys for for having me on to to talk about it and relive it. And uh, yeah, really, really, really appreciate it. And looking forward to talking again in a couple of weeks. (laughs) Absolutely, absolutely. Um, we, we, we really have to get the uh, Paul McCartney to come to Belfast to uh, petition up and running Stephen don't we? That's the, so you get to see him in your hometown yeah, and yeah. he gets to swing from a Harland and Wolf crane that's, that's, that's never going to happen that's never going to happen 
there's, it's not for a want of fin- some fantastic venues and some fantastic opportunities, uh, but uh, I don't know. You never know. There is there is a vague. We just don't yeah. want it enough. I think that's the, we, we're just we're just not <laughs> wishing. You know, if the people of Winston Salem can can wish this, will this into existence? Surely, people of Belfast can do likewise. Absolutely. I don't know. Absolutely. Yeah, I think so. There are vague murmurs of, of other gigs. There was a murmur that he was going to play Slane in County Meath in Ireland, which is this outdoor arena place that does one gig a year. But I, I can't really see that happening now. It's a bit late for tickets to go on sale. Is he? Uh, um, sorry, just one more thing. Is he going to do a European tour, you think? I think he's probably going to do his Christmas thing again. I think that might be where he reappears, where he does his, like... That the thing that he did when we saw him back in 2018, where he'll do about a dozen shows, arena shows around Christmas. He does talk about keeping his calendar, like his his touring schedule is usually this time of year and a bit at Christmas. That's he's been pretty standard about that. Um, uh, and in years gone by, it's been to do with apparently, um, you know, his children's summer holidays, the child he had with Heather Mills, and wanting to spend the summertime and not spending huge stretches of time on the road. I, I can't recall off the top of my head how old. Um, that child is now whether they're able to stay at home on their own. She's, she's able, think she's able to stay at home on her own. And, uh, yeah, I think, yeah, I think I think she's so. eighteen or nineteen. Yeah, yeah. There we go. So Paul, get on with it. Just tour for the year. But he's it's a bit like the Stones. He just does these little hit and run, you know, ten week tours, and then once they're out of the way, figure out the next ten week tour. So fingers crossed. Um, fingers crossed. We might get something at the end of the year. I don't think we're going to get a mega European outdoor tour, but he is. There are dates owed. There were European outdoor yep. dates cancelled for 2020. Now, they're outright cancelled. They haven't been, you know, tickets have been refunded. So that it's not like they have to be rescheduled. Yeah. But you'd feel that there's a a, a moral debt to the touring yeah. universe that has to be fulfilled. So fingers crossed Listen, there'll be something maybe at Christmas or some gigs early next spring. Who if, knows? We'll just have If to he does Belfast, I will, I will fly to Belfast and see Paul. Okay, that's a deal. That's a deal. That is a, <laughs> that deal. Is a deal. Okay, on that bombshell, Stephen. Um, we, <laughs> what do you think, folks? Have you seen this tour? Are you going to see this tour? Do you want him to tour again? Um, just share all your Paul McCartney live stories. We're available in all the usual places. First of all, William is available at williamhinson.com. You should go and check out all his fantastic music and his work and his latest album, Social Fitness, and go and look at all his videos on YouTube. And uh, have you anything else you want to promote, William, in the in the bag of... Promo, promo. I have a new song coming out on June third called "She's Hot" and it's it's uh, it's pretty ag- aggressively mediumly good. So uh, please, <laughs> a mediumly so, uh, good song uh, on a mediumly good well, podcast. That's that's. So, <laughs> if you go My to God, it, it'll be the yeah, <laughs> the nothing is real of songs. Yeah, if you uh, go uh, go go and pre-save that on uh, on Twitter or whatever. But yeah, uh, follow me on Twitter. I'd love to chat Beatles. Yes, and uh, we're often retreating William and he runs our Instagram account, which is great. And she's hot out on the 3rd of June. 3rd of June, yeah. 3rd of June, 3rd of June, right in that gap. If you're trying to fill a gap between Paul McCartney in Winston-Salem and going to see Ringo Starr, you can go listen to William Hinson's uh, new single, She's Hot, out on 3rd of June, williamhinson.com. <laughs> and we are available in our usual places, which are uh, nothingisrealpod.com, uh, the website, <laughs> at Beatles pod on Twitter, the Nothing Is Real Facebook group, uh, which Stephen is a fan of, and as I said, William's Instagram, and all the usual things. We're always happy to talk about the Beatles and Paul live, and Paul is definitely live. But for now, my name is Jason Carty. My name is Stephen Cockcroft. And this has been Nothing Is Real. Thanks for listening.
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Thanks for listening to Nothing Is Real. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. And if you did, why not become a member? You'll get access to ad-free content, bonus episodes, and so much more. Follow the link in the show notes, sign up on ACAST Plus, or visit our website, nothingisrealpod.com.